passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to episode 13 of Cruel Summer, a podcast dedicated to looking at each and every G1 Climax tournament final from 1991 to 2018. My name is WH Park. I'm the co-host of the Post ProRes uh, podcast, which you can listen to here at postwrestling.com. I, I do that show each and every month with John Pollock, and we talk about the wide world of professional wrestling in Japan. But uh, this particular show focuses on one event. One match, the G1 Climax Tournament Finals, and I'm very excited about today's episode because it is an on-air reunion with my old Japanese audio uh, wrestling co-host, Jojo Remy. Jojo, how are you today? You're going to let a lot of people down because they're totally expecting Chris to start talking right now. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, I'm not Chris Charlton. I'm Jojo Remy, as you mentioned. It's great to talk to you, WH. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think, like, if... If we ask Chris to, to join the show, I don't think he'd be able to do it. I, I don't think his New Japan Pro Wrestling commitments would allow him to appear on another podcast. But uh, I don't know that for a fact, but I, that's what I'm going to assume. And I know Chris is a very, very busy guy. He's he's in the midst of the, uh, as of this recording, he's in the midst of the best of the Super Junior. So I don't think he'd have the time or maybe even have the permission to, to do this show. So unfortunately, it, there's no Chris Charlton appearing on the series. Sorry, everyone. But I, I feel... Jojo Remy is more than adequate enough to be a, a co-host on this show. In fact, you're going to be, this is your first of two appearances, I believe. Yeah, I'm excited. And, you know, I, uh, I'm i a big Jeff Farmer fan, you know, NWO Sting Jeff Farmer. That's right. So, wasn't, he also, uh, wasn't he also Super J? Super J. I'm going to take the mantle of Super J Jojo Remy for this, uh, this podcast. I'll be the imposter, Chris Carlton. Try to do my best uh, New Japan history lesson. And we can uh, have have a good time. That sounds awesome. Uh, I'm gonna put that in the show description because I I have to write all the show descriptions when they go up on air on the website, and so I'll write down Super J Jojo Remy. That's your new nickname. Yeah, you know I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Jeff Farmer at one point maybe still you know he worked like a show a pro wrestling master show earlier this year, but I think at some point and maybe still 
he runs the basically the gym at the University of Miami med school campus. I don't know if he still does, but at one point he did. Um, so there's a, a Miami connection with, with NWO Sting and me too. There you go. Wow. It's like we're finding out all kinds of wonderful facts about, uh, about you, Jojo. And uh, so this is our on-air reunion, but you know, we're, to be perfectly honest with all the listeners, you and I actually quite frequently meet when, when I go to Tokyo to watch wrestling. And when I'm not there to watch wrestling, we, we'll go eat ramen or go have tonkatsu. With, uh, I go there to meet you and uh, your lovely wife, Christine, as well. Yeah, I think it's a running joke that all I eat is ramen and tonkatsu because that's basically all I take you to. Um, but it is, that is basically all I eat, so it's, it's not really much of a joke. To be fair, you know, like, they are very, very good ramen and tonkatsu restaurants that we end up going to. And uh, as of this recording, in a couple of weeks, you, you myself, uh, Christine, and a group of other people will be going to Osaka to, um, to experience Dominion, as well as the lovely uh, culinary delights of the city of Osaka. Yeah, I'm doing my research now, obviously on the, the restaurant side, and uh, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I mean, I had a long layoff from wrestling. I think I think the last show I went to before this week was back in January with you. We went to the All Japan show. Um, but we're, as you mentioned, we're real life friends. We're actually friends in real life, so we've That's seen true. each other. We've seen each other since then. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to jump back into some wrestling. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so let's let's talk about we're today. So this is episode thirteen. We're covering two thousand three, and so we're covering the the top 2003 G1 Climax Tournament Final, which consists of one Masahiro Chono. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's another episode. Sorry. It consists of um, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Chono's uh, protege, so forgive my uh, my confusion there, and uh, Pro Wrestling Noah's Jun Akiyama. At this point, he's still with Pro Wrestling Noah. Yeah, this was, you know, pretty early on, just three years after the formation of Noah. So basically, Akiyama was, like, at the top of the company other than Kobashi. Um, at this time, yeah. So, it, and I we'll talk about like the the crowd reaction uh, in a couple of minutes. But first, I want to give a little background on the 2003 G1 Climax. It was a 12 man round robin tournament held from August 10th to 17th. Uh, the G1 started at Kobe World Hall, which is where you know Dragon Gate has their big show of the year, and moved to, across Japan before settling in at Sumo Hall for the last three days. Uh, the way the, the the format worked for this tournament was that the two the top two point getters in each block, so the first point the first place and second place would then face the po- top two point getters of the B block, so top first place and second place. So the f- semifinals would work out this way: so A one uh, and B two would face each other, and then B one and A two would face each other, and the winners of those blocks would then meet in the finals. So in A block we have Junakiyama. Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Masahiro Chono, Manabu Nakanishi, Osama Nishimura, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, in B Block, we have uh, Yoshihiro Takayama, who was before a no affiliated wrestler, but then at this point he became a freelancer. I think mainly to do maybe I think it was he was doing some MMA, and then he wanted to work all these other promotions, and he would do a lot of stuff with Minoru Suzuki at this time as well. Jojo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at the time of this tournament, uh, Takayama actually held the IWGP and NWF Heavyweight Championship as well. Let me check my uh, my notes for this. Uh, yes, he was the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at this point. And I think you're right, he held the, the uh, old Inoki NWF belt as well. Uh, joining him in B-Block is Yuji Nagata, Katsuyori Shibata, y- Yutaka Yoshie, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Tara Yoshida. So in B-Block, you have this really heavy, like, kind of, shoot style 
type of wrestlers in, in this block with Takayama, Nagata, and Shibata, and to, to a lesser degree, I guess, I suppose, Nakamura as well. Yeah, and even at this point, Yasuda was also, um, you know, on the shoot side of things. So that's definitely how they how the, the blocks lined up. Yeah, so well, I mean, Yasuda tried. I like we we can talk about Yasuda bit, but he's not. He was never a really good like pro wrestler or a very good like shoot style wrestler. He did that one MMA match that he actually won, as I recall. Yeah, he had a uh, he had quite a bit of steam at one point. I'm not the right person to be talking about MMA or shoot style, you know, in this era at all. But uh, he was definitely kind of Inoki's chosen flavor of the month at one point. It's just, I don't know, I, th- I find that all, in retrospect, very amusing. Even at the time, I thought that was like, wh- why did Inoki pick this guy? He he looks nothing like what an Inoki-style wrestler would would like be in like in image wise and actually work wise as well. But, you know, wrestling was very, very strange in 2003, as we'll probably talk about later in the show. Uh, let's talk about, so our finalists are Junakiyama and Hiroyoshi Tanzan. So let's talk about their path. And oddly enough, they're both in the A block. So the way the semifinals worked out was that no one from B block ended up being in the finals, which is really strange in my opinion. But uh, Akiyama's path was that he drew with Masahiro Chono. He defeated uh, Nakanishi, Tanahashi, and Tenzan, and then he uh, suffered a lone loss to Osama Nishimura. For Tenzan, he lost to Akiyama in the first night, uh, and then he lost to Tanahashi, but he ended up defeating uh, Masahiro Chono, his mentor, uh, Manabu Nakanishi, and uh, Osama Nishimura as well. So it was like all A block got into the, you know, dominated this this tournament. Um, It was, uh, yeah, you know, it was interesting. So in the semifinals, Akiyama defeated Yuji Nagata in the semifinals. And it, the thing about that is that, you know, like for some reason, Akiyama and Nagata were always kind of paired with each other up to even this past year or so, you know, like there, I think a lot of it has to do with their similarities of using explorer suplexes. Um, they're kind of like the, the, they're of the similar generation of, of wrestlers in their respective companies. And I think legit, they're really good friends in real life. I think they have a an amateur wrestling, uh, you know, background with each other. I think they've wrestled each other, you know, either in high school or college. I think they debuted the same week, um, in September nineteen ninety two, off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, there's a, a very deep connection between Akiyama and Nagata. Um, they team. They were again. They were on opposite sides of a tag team match on the first ever zero one show. Uh, and then they, um, I think then after that, they main evented basically Wrestle Kingdom against each other. And then, so just a month before this, they had a match in Noah, which would have, I think would have been their second uh, singles match ever. And Nagata beat Akiyama in like six and a half minutes. Um, so that's basically Akiyama getting his win back against Nagata in the G1. Right. And then up until maybe last year, they... They were tag team partners, and they held the All-Asia tag team titles for a brief, brief run in uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, conversely, like I also want to mention that like Manabu Nakanishi, which, who is like, really closely associated with Yuji Nagata, and Takao Mori, who's associated with uh, Junakiyama, also have a deep connection that they were like rivals at some point, but also formed a tag team in New Japan Pro Wrestling during Omori's kind of brief run in that company. So there's always these like, really strange connections you can find between companies and different wrestlers of different backgrounds in in japan 
in 2003. It's, it's a really wild time. I feel like it's kind of lessened so in the last couple of years, the kind of interpromotional like kind of dealings that different companies have, but it was really strong in, in 2003. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big catalysts was basically Giant Baba passing away. Now that led to Noah being formed and then kind of simultaneously, whether or not it was intentionally or not, these wrestlers that never had any interaction with each other, basically the New Japan guys and the All Japan guys, started working with each other, you know, through this New Japan and Noah connection. And then obviously you had, you know, Kawada working New Japan too. But that all basically started in 2000. Before uh, 2000, which was the year, I'm pretty sure that's the year that Baba passed away. Um, or maybe that was the year after Baba passed away. Um, yeah, there was basically none of that uh, intermingling. Yeah, then you'd have like Noah mingling with, you know, New Japan. You'd have zero one zero one working with different people. The only kind of really isolationist after a point where like when Muto takes over all Japan, he doesn't do too much with New Japan at that point. There's a lot of heat there, I think, between the offices. And then you know, Dragon Gate kind of isolated themselves off from everyone else, but. Between like Noah, Zero One, uh, and and New Japan, you see a lot of intermingling to you know varying degrees of financial success throughout the first you know half of the first ten years of the of the two thousand. So it's a really interesting time. If people aren't familiar with that time, I really urge you to go out and like try to find different matches from that era and like kind of try to, if you can read up on it on archives of different newsletters that are out there. Uh, let's get into the match itself. So we're, we're in a uh, sumo hall for this final and it's a very hot building. As, as I like to say on pretty much every episode, Jojo, I, I talk about the temperatures that exist in, in sumo hall during August uh, during for the G1 finals. And you yourself have been in that building for the G1, right? Absolutely. And what would you say? So everyone, here's my take on it. What What's your feeling about being inside Sumo Hall for the G1 Finals? You know, I uh, my take on it, as I struggle with Elvis, my cat, as I'm trying to speak here, uh, my take on it is that I have changed. So when I first got here, uh, you know, I had been coming from Florida which is obviously a very hot place. There's AC everywhere, but still it's hot. Uh, you don't really spend too much time, you know, walking from place to place. Long story short, now I'm like super intolerant of the heat. And yeah, it's terrible. I've almost died. I did a two night stint with Chris, you know, for one of the G1s. I, I'm not sure exactly what year I'd have to go back and look. But the, by the second night, I was I was ready to die. It was the AC in that building is just so terrible. Compared to like last year, you and I went to the, to the Budokan Hall, which was fantastic. Just amazing AC in that building. Yeah, I mean, Real Goku is. I I definitely recommend people checking it out, but it's it's very hot. And in if you do go, totally sit on the second floor unless you're going to get like super expensive seats because sitting in the sumo seats is pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I was talking to uh, uh, JP Hulahan from the Grapple Spotlight. Uh, podcast on a previous episode and we were saying and I was saying like with four people that those box seats are just absolutely terrible three pizza three people is tolerable but two is ideal but then you'd have to buy the other two seats out which gets really really expensive but you can if you get only two people in there you can get a nice spread buy some food and have a nice 
picnic kind of watching wrestling in sumo hall which is which is a, i've done that before so it's, it's, it's a really cool experience but let's let's get to the match itself so right away it's an interpromotional match it's pro wrestling noah versus new japan for wrestling so the crowd is super hot for this match already um akiyama gets announced and he gets booed very loudly by the new japan crowd but you can hear some cheers for him from i, I suppose the you know small contingent of noah fans that got tickets for this show and then uh, Tenzon is announced, and he is cheered loudly, very loudly, and the and a big Tenzon chant breaks out among the New Japan faithful. And uh, one quick note I want to make here, Jojo, is that this is the first G1 Climax Finals that does not feature Taika Tori as the ref. Uh, I asked you who the ref in place of him was, and you did some research, and his name is Masao Toyama, I believe? Tayama, yeah. Tayama. Masao Tayama. Yeah. Um, I guess this is the point where, like, Ricky Choshu has left New Japan for wrestling. He's taken Kensuke Sasaki with him. He's taken Tiger Hattori with him. And then he would start uh, World Japan, I believe. Yep, that, that's right. World Japan, you know, where uh, Kachiko Nakajima debuted and, you know, eventually Ricky Pro. Um, but, yeah, Tayama still refs, actually. Um, I think sometimes IGF, sometimes Real Japan. Um, so he is still still floating around, but he left New Japan about ten years ago. I see. Okay, so it was kind of weird not seeing the you know the trademark ponytail of Tiger Hattori refereeing a G One Climax Final. But let's move on from there. Uh, uh, Tenzan, if you if you're only familiar with Tenzan like recently, you would not recognize him because at this point he has cut his hair. He has gained a lot of weight from his excursion in Canada. And uh, he wrestles a little bit differently. He he would debut from his return from excursion from Canada with uh, two new moves. One would be the uh, I think the would be the Anaconda drop, or was it the TTD at this point? I'm pretty sure he was already doing the TTD, the, the Tenzone Tombstone Driver. Excuse me. I think the, you know the main one was the Anaconda Anaconda Vice, and he does. We'll talk about it a little bit later in in the in the match. He does the Anaconda Buster too. Right, um, but I don't. I think he was already doing the TTD um, at that point. The the Anaconda Vice, Anaconda Vice was the main point of that excursion. Was basically to give him that move. Yeah, exactly, and and then but and this is where he had cut off his mullet, his trademark mullet, which he has since grown back. But I think it, he needed that kind of image change to kind of go to another level. So it, it worked out really well for him. Um, also, like Akiyama looks quite different from what he looks like now. He still has hair at this point, uh, which he has since shaved off and has a completely bald look. Um, so we have uh, Akiyama and Tenzan starting the match off with a collar and elbow lockup. Uh, Akiyama headlock, uh, headlocks him and then shoots uh, Tenzan into the ropes. And then they start a shoulder tackle battle, then uh, another knuckle lockup. And then the crowd goes crazy with Tenzon chance at this point. So they're just doing a very, very simple match in the first, I'd say, three to five minutes. But the crowd is just absolutely hot. They really, really want to see Tenzon beat this invader from Pro Wrestling Noah, Joe. Jojo. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a New Japan ring, but this was definitely an All Japan-style build. You know, a very slow, methodical build in the opening, in the opening segment of the match. Um... But yeah, I mean, it was it was obviously the G1, but it totally felt like an All Japan match. Uh, one weird thing was that Hicks and Gracie was sitting at ringside for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you about that because I was like, who's this guy they keep cutting to at ringside with the sunglasses on? It's Hicks and Gracie. So I, I probably was a guest of Inoki at that point, I would imagine. 
I guess uh, so. Yeah, so Tenzan uh, shrugs off a flying knee from Akiyama and knocks him down with a shoulder block. And then a headbutt duel starts. And uh, Tenzan hits his Mongolian chops. Uh, Akiyama fires back with his own uh, Mongolian chops. And then he then there's a Tenzan headbutt. Akiyama goes down, and the crowd is absolutely electric at this point. Uh, Tenzan's strategy seems to be to wear Akiyama down with stomps, chops, and big moves like suplexes, which would not factor into his finish, in my opinion. Like I don't really see him working over the neck that uh, would that, that the Anaconda Vice would target at this point. Yeah, I mean, so targeting the neck is a huge part of this match, but from Akiyama. Right, yes. so uh, you know the commentary actually ma- actually makes a uh, a point about it. At one point, they say like Akiyama is one hundred percent focused on attacking Tenzan's neck. You know, he's using knees to the neck, knee drops. He's using jumping knees. He's using elbows, hitting the neck, a pile driver. Akiyama is one hundred percent targeting Tenzan's neck, but Tenzan's basically you know taking the beating, firing back. Uh, the crowd is all behind Tenzan, so it totally works. Those Mongolian, Mongolian chops and headbutts that Akiyama does kind of in that battle with Tenzan get even more, get the crowd even more behind Tenzan, which was, you know, obviously the whole point. Um, so, yeah, I think the, dyna- the dynamic of the strategy is kind of lopsided. I think it's very clear what Akiyama's trying to do. And offensively, Tenzan's kind of just trying to fend him off because Akiyama was definitely, you know, ex- not expected to win. That doesn't make sense. But he was positioned as the as the stronger guy heading into the match. Yeah, for sure. Like he had he had gotten big wins, like we said, over uh, Nakanishi, uh, Ten- Tanahashi, and Tenzan himself. He beat him in the first round. So there's a like Tenzan's going in with this disadvantage. So I, I guess the idea with Tenzan, the psychology he's going for is that I gotta just you know hit everything I can, throw everything and the kitchen sink at Akiyama. But for me, it was just like, well, I don't understand what he's going for. You know, if if you're looking at this match just as, as in of itself and not in the larger context, you, you know, you just see like Tenzan's doing everything but targeting the neck. And then Akiyama is super, super focused at this, as we'll talk more about as we get into the match. Um, So getting back to where are my notes here? uh, Yeah, T- Akiyama takes control and he hits him with two flying knee strikes, which send Tenzan to the outside. And then Akiyama follows up on going to the apron and uh, hits him with a flying knee from there. And sends Tenzan into the aisle, which is, I think, where we get our first look at Mr. Hickson Gracie in the audience, uh, looking completely bored out of his mind. So, which is not a good look, I think, if you're talking about, you know, showing celebrities in, in a wrestling crowd. Uh, Akiyama works over Tenzan's neck, including a big knee drop uh, while Tenzan is draped on the ring apron. And Akiyama continues to work over the neck, one of his finishers. Like, so let's talk about Akiyama's big finisher at this point. Yeah, I mean, he really had two. He had the front net, front net lock, uh, front net lock. Sorry, uh, which he had basically. I think pretty sure he debuted on the first ever Noah show, uh, and he had the wrist clutch exploder. Um, so those were his two. Obviously, both of them target the neck. Yeah, and then uh, from this point, uh, Akema puts uh, Tenzan in a pile driver position, and he holds him in there for a good, I don't know, minute or so before hitting it. Uh, they move to the apron where uh, Tenzan hits his buffalo backdrop and he looks like he spikes poor Akiyama on his head. This is probably one of the more dangerous moves in this match, Jojo. Yeah, so this is kind of the turning point for me in the match. Uh, you're talking about the mountain bomb, right? I'm pretty sure. No, it's, it's yeah, it's the mountain bomb. Sorry. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so he hits a mountain bomb on the apron, and then at that point, he's like, okay, now I'm going to go after Akiyama's neck. So then this is where the, the neck targeting on Tenzon's part comes in, um, you know, from what I can recall. So this was basically, you know, very, like you mentioned, very dangerous spot, but obviously kind of the, the momentum shift as well. Yeah, and at this point, you can see, I think nearly every New Japan worker is in, in Tenzon's corner seconding this match. And conversely, every Noah wrestler is in Akio's cor- uh, corner uh, seconding him. So it's a very crowded ringside area. You know, that's something, sorry to cut you off, that's something that I really miss about Japanese wrestling. Um, and I think, you know, in my recollection, it was kind of an all Japan thing. Like you had like, you know, Misawa's Untouchables and Kobachi's Burning and those, you know, Kakihara and Ogawa would always be at ringside when Misawa was wrestling. Um, and, you know, Shiga and, uh, Kanemaru, for example, would always be out when Kobashi was wrestling. And you don't really get that anymore. Like, I, I think you, you saw that more in big tournaments, like, you know, the Super J Cup. Uh, obviously, all the like, you know, like all the wrestlers are there for either Benoit or Guerrero or you know, like Great Sasuke or Liger. You'll see that. Uh, I feel they've gone in the ghetto era away from that in, in New Japan. Like you don't even see that in the in the finals, except for you know, in in recent years we had like you know the Bucks and Ibushi out for Kenny Omega. Then you would have you know, Ka- I don't recall anyone who was in Naito's corner or what was the finals for for that Tanahashi had Shibata this year, which was nice, which was an awesome touch. And then Omega had Ibushi in his corner. So you'll see that, but you don't see like this, like like you're saying, like this big contingent anymore. And I, I agree with you. I think it's a really nice touch. It, it shows kind of the more kind of sports feel of wrestling when you do things like that. Yeah, like you had Chono out there as a second, which is crazy. Like if you think about Chono, he basically like made the G1 what it is. And he's like seconding Tenzon because Tenzon's defending New Japan against Akiyama. It's really cool. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're mentioning that this is the turning point where Tenzon is targeting Akiyama's neck. I, I really felt at this point that Tenzon is now targeting Akiyama's ribs because then he, he starts hitting him with headbutts to, to his rib area. And he this is including like two big running, running slash diving headbutts that the crowd just absolutely loves uh Tenzon doing uh we see Tenzon hit a, a low blow headbutt that garners a, a kind of a mixed reaction from people in Sumo Hall yeah he always did that you know as you know his in his NWO Japan days and you know Team 2000 that was always part of his move set so the, the fans were kind of expecting that from him but in the context of this like like he said sports like Matt um it got an interesting reaction yeah uh Tenzan then goes for a big second rope uh, diving headbutt for a two count. Uh, Tenzan then goes to the top rope for a moonsault, but Akiyama catches him and hits a big power bomb. Uh, Akiyama regains control of the match. He hits a running knee into the corner, followed by an exploder suplex for a two count. Uh, Akiyama then goes for his front neck lock. Uh, and we're reaching the crescendo of this match at this point, Jojo. Yeah. Um, you know, this match was, like I said, all Japan style. You know, it started out slow. It built and built and built. There was an apron spot, as many of these matches had at the time. Um, and it's, it's like, I would say, probably the best example of this style outside of all Japan and Noah. Right. And then, so Tenzan is able to escape the uh, front neck lock. Hitting, I guess it's, it's, a, it's, the buff, it's the mountain bomb. And then he hits a lariat on Akiyama uh, at this point. 
Tenzan applies his Buffalo Sleeper, which, you know, I, to me, targets nothing that was that he was working on throughout the entire match. So I just thought, well, he's not, I guess it's just a wear down move at this point. He might as well, I felt, have hit him with like putting on a rear chin lock at this point. But, you know, Akiyama is able to get out. There's a rope break. Uh, Tenzan starts bringing out his big moves, like his top rope knee face driver. So just so that is called the calf branding. Which, by the so the calf branding, so the way it's set up, so the Tenzan goes to the top rope. His opponent is in front of him on the, on you know, his feet are on the mat. And then Tenzan puts his knee against his opponent's neck and then he moves forward and drives. The idea is he's driving his opponent into the, into the mat face first with his knee, with the momentum of his knee and his body weight. But I've never liked this match. I think it looks really fucking stupid. I don't have a problem at all, honestly. I think, uh, I think it's cool. Uh, it's pretty unique. Um, I like that it has a, a, a cow-oriented name. You know, a lot of tens on stuff does. Um, it does target the neck, which is helpful, um, you know, given the rest of his moon, his moveset. So I like it. I don't have a problem with it. It's one of the few things that I think he invented. I don't think anybody else did that before him, right? No, I don't think anyone does it since because I... Th- I think they also agree with me that it looks stupid. But anyway. Perhaps, perhaps, we'll, perhaps. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on that point. Uh, Tenzan follows that up with a moonsault for a two count. Uh, Akiyama rallies back. He hits two exploders in a row and a running knee to the face. Uh, there's a two count. He goes for the uh, front neck lock. And the crowd is absolutely buzzing at this point. They know uh, at any point in this match, the finish can come either for Akiyama or for Tenzan. Uh, Tenzan looks out of it, and uh, Akiyama turns it into a cover for a two. Like he can't, he can't make him submit, but he's worn him down enough that he feels I can get a three count on him. But unfortunately for Akiyama, that's not the case. Akiyama follows up with a flying forearm to the back of Tenzan's head that looked really, really good. And then we see him finally break out one of his big finishers, the wrist clutch exploder. But you know, Tenzan is able to get out with the foot on the ropes. And I gotta say, the wrist clutch exploder is probably my third favorite All Japan slash Noah finisher, JoJo. Well, you got to name all three now. Oh, okay, so number one would be uh, the Burning Hammer. And of number, course. number two, I'm going to say the Tiger Driver 91 where Misawa spikes his opponent on his head. Brutal. These are brutal, but these guys are okay. So it, it, they're, they're not safe moves, but yeah, that's why they do all these next exercises in the dojo, right? There's, yeah, I mean... These guys were, this was the era, this is a little bit after, I guess, but this was basically the era of the head drop. Yeah, I mean, it started in, with like, I guess, Masawa's generation over in, 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 in all Japan. Like, you don't really see that much of it in, in New Japan. Now you do, with guys like Ishii and, you know, like even like Naito and Ibushi, like, like killing each other with dropping each other on their necks. It's, it's kind of brutal. I, I would hope that they kind of, get away from this a little bit more. I mean, they only do it really for big matches, but still, I really cringe whenever I see, like, Naito and Ibushi face off each other because I know they're going to just, like, you know, do terrible stuff to each other's necks. But uh, moving back to the match, we see uh, Tenzan. He rallies back with a Saito suplex and then a variation of the Saito suplex using kind of, like, Akiyama's leg to help him lift him up as opposed to, like, grabbing him by the, like, by the... Just by the waist and uh, with the, his, his opponent's arm under his neck, he kind of like grabs uh, one of his legs and lifts him up that way. Uh, goes for a diving 
a headbutt for a two count. And then uh, I feel like it's really super tense in the building because the, the, the majority of the crowd want Tenzon to win, but they think, okay, he can't seem to put, be able to put away Akiyama at this point, JoJo. Yeah, I mean, Akiyama at this point, his facial expressions are just, you know, he looks completely overwhelmed. He's doing an excellent job of, of you know, of putting uh, Tenzon over at this point. And, you know, all, really all throughout the match, you know, we were talking about the calf branding earlier. There's a point where he's like, Tenzon's like stomping Akiyama in the corner. And Akiyama's face is just like, what do I have to do to get this guy off me? I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I, Akiyama's facial expressions throughout the match were just incredible. But yeah, as you mentioned, obviously Tenzon um, at this point is kind of in control. Yeah, so then they start a strike exchange. Mongolia chops from Tenzon. Akiyama hits uh, boots to the face. And then Tenzon gives him a big clothesline for a two count. I don't think you're going to really beat Akiyama with a clothesline. He's used to getting them from Kobashi. If Kobashi can't put him down with his clothesline, I don't think Tenzon's going to do it with his. Uh, and then uh, Tenzon finally hits his TTD for a two count. Uh, and then... This is when, I guess, we, we get to the close of the match. Uh, 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 Tenzon finally applies the Anaconda Vice. Um, at this point, uh, Akam is able to survive it. He powers up. He gets to his feet. Uh, but uh, Tenzon hits him with the Anaconda. Is, is it the Anaconda Slam? Or what were you calling it before? I think it's called the Anaconda Buster. The Anaconda Buster. So it's basically in the Anaconda Vice hold. Both men are on their feet, and then he just slide slams him down to the mat and then uh back to the vice he hits the back to the anaconda vice and then that's it for akiyama he can't withstand anymore he taps out for the win uh at 31 43 a very uh, lengthy match for the g1 jojo yeah you know i the 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 time of this match doesn't bother me at all. This is a match that i go back and watch every year or two probably every two years i'd say i watch it um, you know, in the as G one finals go, uh, I think this is probably my favorite ever. Um, and it just you know it builds so well, and I I just really really enjoy this match. It's it's an easy thirty minutes to watch because there's always things happening. The, the atmosphere is amazing. You do see after ten zone wins, like you see some kind of like a bit of debris in the air. So I assume fans are trying to throw things into the, into the ring to celebrate Tenzon's big win over Akiyama in this match. Um, and this would be uh, Tenzon's uh, first G1 win. First of many <laughs> that would follow <laughs> after this. Yeah. How many did he win total? Oh God. I have, I have, I don't have my notes for that, but I think he at least wins two more of, of the G1. Like, um, who else? yeah, so he won the next year, actually, he won, not to spoil your next podcast, but he won in 2004 and 2006 as well. Uh, yeah, so he would beat uh, Tanahashi and Kojima in those respective uh, G1 Climax. So I think three was his total. He, he was good. He was like, at that point, he was called, he kind of like absurd uh, Chono's Mr. August title because he was kind of like the people in New Japan that wanted a kind of a more pro wrestling feel to stay in the company where he was like their, their, their great hope, him and Nagata, I think, uh, were, were yeah, well, like the, the standard bearers for the pro wrestling side of New Japan at that point. Exactly. Like we talked about a little bit beforehand, but you know, they kind of, of those four guys, you know, we're talking about the third generation guys, Nakanishi, Nagata, Kojima, and Tenzan. 
so kind of the first one that kind of got a shot was Nakanishi, oddly enough. Um, and then Nagata, obviously, we know, you know, had kind of a run as the ace, definitely a run as the ace. Um, and then the year before this is actually when Kojima jumped with Muto to, to All Japan. So coming off of his tag team partner basically turning his back on the company tends on more or less becoming a, a singles babyface for the first time in his career. Um, you know, bulking up, changing his look. He basically had as strong of a push as you can get at this time. Yeah, it's 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 he is definitely clearly positioned as the number one guy in New Japan. He's he's facing off against kind of like the more like MMA style group in, in the in the company. I think it was the Makai Club at this point, which would consist of like Taro Yasuda, it would consist of various Mitsuya Nagai under a mask. Katsuri Shibata under a mask. He, I think he would join later, but th- it's clearly defined. I remember getting like DVDs, tapes of these shows, and just clearly seeing there's this like clear delineation in the in the heavyweight main event uh, scene of like Makai Club MMA versus pro wrestling Nagata, you know Nakanishi, uh, Tenzan, and then underneath that like people like Tanahashi and Yoshie and Nakamura was kind of Shinsuke Nakamura was kind of floating in between. It seemed. Yeah, I mean, this was early on in Shinsuke's career, and I don't know if you want to talk about it, but basically after this, Tenzan would go on to win the title, but very quickly drop it to Shinsuke, who was more or less a rookie at the time. Yeah, he was, he was the supernova at, at that point in his career. He, I think he really caught the attention of, uh, of Antonio Inoki you know, for being, having kind of like this legit background. Um, but let, let's talk about the aftermath of this particular G1. Uh, Tenzon, uh, you know, usually the, the, the winner would get a title shot at some point uh, after this, after this match, but Tenzon didn't actually get a title shot with this win as he would have to face Manabu Nakanishi in a number one contenders match on September 14th. And he would defeat him in that match. He would then go on to beat, Takayama for the IWGP title at uh, at uh, a show in Yokohama on November third. So we're not at that point where the G one winner gets the immediate title shot or the sorry the automatic title shot at Wrestle Kingdom or the January fourth Tokyo Dome show at this point, JoJo. Yeah, there's a little bit less predictable back then, um, but uh, definitely still they use the the G one as kind of a launching pad. To get somebody into the main event, uh, to get the to at least get a title shot. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, trivia part of this show, and I got some pop culture trivia questions for you. Uh, three uh, questions about music and movies. So I'm gonna hit you with those, and then I'm gonna move on to the the wrestling portion of the trivia. But JoJo, in August of 2003, what is the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100? Oh man! So August two thousand three is actually when I moved into my dorm room for my freshman year of undergrad. So it was a pretty. Uh, it was a time in my life where I wasn't really connected to the outside world. Pretty much, this match was the end of my wrestling fandom for a while, and I was kind of in my own universe. But I'm gonna guess that it was. You're asking me for the number one bil- song on the Billboard charts. Yes. You know I don't listen to that kind of stuff. I know, but uh, <laughs> it's the easiest I, thing I can find on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm gonna say, oh jeez, it's a hip hop song. I'll, yeah, 
It's, oh man, okay, 2003. I'm going to say it's a 50 Cent song. You are correct. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> it is a 50 Cent song. Which song is it by 50 Cent? Uh, In the Club. You are correct. Wow, I swear to God, I did not look that up. Jojo, I think you might, <laughs> you might, be, you might be on a tear here. I think you might be one of two people who've gotten the trivia question right off the bat. It's amazing. And I just... I just set myself up as not knowing the answer, and I, I honestly, WH, I did not look that up. I would uh, not do that to you, and I'm very proud of myself uh, right now. I'm proud of you too, Jojo. Kudos, <laughs> kudos on that. Uh, number one album on the uh, Billboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the same one, the Fifty Cent album. Uh, it's not Fifty Cent's album. It's it's a soundtrack, though. A soundtrack. Oh man, that's or, not so. Uh, oh, sorry. Okay, hold on. Uh. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. Okay, it's the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack, uh, which I'm sure featured a song from Will Smith on it. Yeah. And number one movie <sighs> in America at this time, at the box office. Number one movie was... I don't know, Avatar? Uh, it's a horror movie. It's, I'll give you a clue. It's two horror franchises uh, in one movie. Um... not alien versus predator neither one of those really horror and that came out a lot late uh no idea not a horror movie guy it's it would be freddy versus oh that makes sense yeah yeah so there you go anyway let's move on to the uh wrestling part of the trivia uh so we talked about i was gonna ask you who the iwgp heavyweight champion was and that's yoshiro takayama but who are the iwgp tag team champions at this point um I'm going to guess that the tag champs were Tanahashi and somebody. Yes, Tanahashi and his partner at this time is no Yoshi? longer Yoshi. Yeah, which I, I really liked that tag team at that time. They they had really good chemistry with one another. Yeah, cool. There was one match, I think they're fighting the Makai Club, and I think it's Tanahashi just gets bloodied up. By, by these guys it's really brutal match a really really intense match i think you can find it on new japan's uh, youtube channel actually not having to go to new japan world for that um let's move to noah who is the ghc junior heavyweight champion i thought you're gonna give me the the easy toss with the the ghc heavyweight champion the junior heavyweight champion i'm gonna guess is kanemaru it's not kanemaru it's not a japanese person it is uh, Loki, not Loki. I don't think Loki ever, ever won the junior heavyweight title. In is Noah. it Hoovy? Uh, <laughs> no. So this is 2003. So it's one of the like kind of regulars, like independent American. Ricky Marvin. Oh, American. Okay, American independent uh, wrestlers that would r- work a no at this point. Oh, Brian Danielson. No, no, that's not. That's too, that's too <laughs> should early. I, should I tell you? So no, let me just tell you. Okay. This is that actually, the 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 G one final wrestling tape, the the VHS tape, was the last VHS tape I ever purchased. Okay. So I basically stopped watching wrestling with this match oh, for like enough. for almost ten years. Um, but okay, a, re- a Noah regular that was working, that American, it's a junior. Yes. Scorpio. No, he was a heavyweight at that point. I don't know who is it. It would be Michael Modest. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Who I don't know. I don't know what he does now. I don't think he's in wrestling anymore. 
Yeah. So. Him and uh, who is his partner? Donovan Morgan. Donovan Morgan. They're I don't know if they do California Independence still, but they're kind of disappeared from the scene. Uh, let's move to the WWF. Who is the United States champion? Lance Storm. Not Lance Storm. This would be after the invasion angle. Um, this is one of your favorite wrestlers, I think. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is the U.S. champion at this point. And final question. Jojo, who is the ROH world champion in August of 2003? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. You're correct. So I think wow. you might be one of the top point getters in our but, in the yeah. summer trivia portion of the show. That's very surprising, especially the wrestling stuff. I, I, don't, I just made that stuff up. There you go. Sometimes the wild guesses are the correct guesses. So this brings us to the end of episode uh, 13 of uh, Cruel Summer. And Jojo, thank you so much for appearing on the show. It was really great talking with you. Uh, I've been talking with you again on a future episode. But um, where can people find you if they're interested in hearing more from you? Uh, at the moment, I don't think they can. But okay. I, have a Twitter, I have a Twitter account. It's uh, Jojo underscore runs. Um, but I don't really talk too much about wrestling anymore. No. I talk about baseball and baseball video games and music and sometimes wrestling. But yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, recently, like, the only time we converse about anything, including wrestling, is, like, in person. So, uh, but, you know, just in case people want to give you a follow on Twitter, it's good to have that out there. Um, yep. Yeah, you can find me at WHPark9, the number nine, on Twitter. And also, you can find me every month at postwrestling.com on the Post Pro Show with John Pollock. Our, uh, we're going to have a new show as of this recording, probably sometime after Dominion. I think uh, both our schedules are pretty busy. Until then, I'm not going to do anything, of course, during the weekend of Dominion. So I'm going to be eating a lot of uh, Osaka food with you. Uh, and maybe, hopefully, we're going to hit a baseball game. That's one of my goals as well. Uh, it should be fun. I'm very, very excited about this that, that weekend. Yeah, me too. I've only been to Osaka once, and I didn't really do the, the homework and plan too much, so I'm trying to redeem myself with this group. All right. Well, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again to Cruel Summer, uh, and I'll see everyone on the next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>